Happy Tuesday. It is Tuesday, May 19th. We are continuing our conversations about revival in scripture. Um, there are obviously a number of great examples of God's people experiencing revival. Um, and so uh, Steve has another uh, scripture for us to consider today. Steve? Okay, so today, Second Chronicles chapter 34. Great story. Josiah is king. He's the boy king who became king when he was eight years old. That's and then Liam's it, uh, age, by it, the way. Liam. So just imagine Liam being king over the country. Um, he would love it. Yeah. And so th it says it's in the eighth year of his reign. So Josiah becomes king at eight. Now he's a 16-year-old, and he is bringing revival and restoration to the country. A lot of tearing down of the other gods and the Asherah poles and all of that. That's here in Second Chronicles 34. So... Uh, one, one of the things he does is he, when he's 16 uh, is decide to restore the temple. It's, you know, I don't know if it's just been years. Hopefully it hasn't been neglect, but uh, they are, they're doing this restoration of the temple. And in the restoration, the during the restoration of the temple, they find a book of the law of Moses in verse 14. While they were bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temple, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. So evidently they've been obedient to God, but they have not been reading God's law and God's word the past several years. So uh, wow. the, the idea uh, of, of finding something new in God's word, which we kind of talked about yesterday, uh, and then... Josiah's point is, hey, we've, we've discovered God's law. We're going to read it. When we read it, we find some things that we haven't been doing. Uh, so we need to repent. Uh, and and one, of the, one of the things that he talks about here is, so he's already doing a lot of good things. He's already doing a lot of things in revival. And yet he has this drive to repent and do more, repent of things he's not doing. A lot of times we think of just repenting of things we've done wrong and not necessarily repenting of the things that we haven't been doing. Yeah. The and sins of omission. Talk to me about, yeah, talk to me about that. Well, I, I mean, it's so fascinating because it, it raises this really interesting question about what it means for Josiah to have led the, the Hebrew people to seek God without the law. Because when you read about the, the centrality of the law in the people's lives, like what, what were they doing? How had he figured this path forward? It's so, that's fascinating to me. I, I would love to know more about what that looked like uh, outside of the law before they found it. Yep. I don't know that I have an answer to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm assuming, you know, it says Josiah, I'm just assuming God's spirit was with him uh, and speaking yeah to him and then through him to the rest of the people, but it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really give us necessarily details about that. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm. I think this, the story could point to, and we, you know, we see it in Josiah, they find the book of the law and this kind of repentance that yeah, it seems like it shouldn't be a natural progression um, in your life as a disciple. Uh, yeah. At first, maybe you begin by repenting of what you have done wrong that you know you have overtly sinned whatever that might look like but then you know you'll just stop there you're not the point you know you're not trying to just get to a point where you no longer sin but you're trying to 
continue to grow where you also are being most after the heart of God and doing good. Um, and stopping sinning doesn't necessarily equal pursuing the heart of God. You just kind of reach that middle ground where it seems like to me that Israel was, you know, under Josiah was kind of at, they're kind of rooting out the bad, but they didn't know what that progression should, should look like. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's an analogy, I think, to having children um, as, as, as you get older, you know, when you're a kid, you think your parents are, well, I don't know, whatever, so mean because they don't let you eat all your Halloween candy at once or whatever it is. And then as you get older and you get a little perspective on some of the choices and sacrifices they made, you know, like there's this progression as you grow to recognizing, all right, not only did some, did they do some things that in retrospect were wise and smart, uh, but then they sacrifice. Like as you, as you become a parent, you recognize all these like uh, different aspects of what it meant to, uh, to interact, what it means to interact with your children. Like you, you kind of grow in that. And then I think you grow in appreciation for your parents retroactively. You know, you don't, it doesn't happen all at once. It's this, it's this dawning sort of, uh, as you experience some of the things, same things they must have. Yeah. And there's a maturity aspect to all of this. So yeah, we have to repent for what we've done wrong. We start living this life following Jesus as a Christian. uh, And, and yet hopefully we mature and then continue to look for things to do more things to do and don't just it's not just a, okay, we did that. Now we're just going to keep status quo for the rest of our life. You know, and, and I think that's one of the things that maybe uh, sometimes we as Christians in the 21st century uh, have, have fallen behind on, maybe like them. So, all right, well, let's move on. Uh, in verse 27 of chapter 34, uh, it says, you were sorry, and this is a prophet speaking to Josiah and Israel. Uh, you were sorry and humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against the city and its people. You humbled yourself and tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So again, this idea of repentance being very important. And it, and it was not just repentance of what they had done wrong, but repentance of, of some of the things that they had not done unknowingly, you know, that the, some of the things that they could have been doing that they that they didn't even know. Uh, and yet Josiah, uh, as a very mature 16 year old is leading the country, uh, in, in, in this. So, uh, can you think of any examples of someone or, or time in your life, uh, uh young people or, or others where you discover, Hey, I really should be doing more than I'm doing. Uh, and I need to, I, I need to, uh, um, I need to, I need to intentionally do more for God rather than just kind of trying to keep the status quo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah. so this, see, when we start talking about this, this is a, it's a little more personal and it's yeah. a little more uh, humiliating Yeah. Uh, when we're talking about things that we don't do rather yeah. than, focusing on some of the things we do. And that's the whole point of this conversation. A lot of times as Christian, well, hey, I go to church, I, I do this and I do this. And we don't think about all the things that we could be doing. Yeah. Well, so when I think about this, I mean, there's a handful of topics that come to mind, but um, 
I guess one of the, not one of the questions, but it's like, it's like trying to figure out what it looks like because there's no, with, with the things that you do, like going to church, um, you know, pay, if you, if people, people who pay a tithe, that's a, it's a 10th there are these limits. There are these like clear lines and you either do those things or you don't do them. But when you're talking about like patience uh, or generosity, there's no clear line. And I think it becomes a struggle on one hand to know like how far is far enough, if that's even the right question to ask. Um, and where, if and when you kind of allow yourself to feel um, like you have done what God wanted you to do. You know, I think about Paul at the end of his life when he wrote his letter to, uh, to Timothy, the second one, where he talks about, I fought the good fight. You know, I've, I, I did it. You know, how, how, what was he looking at to, to say, I, I'm good. I'm ready to go if God's ready to have me. I think to kind of, you know, uh, uh, tie it maybe in a little bit into to last week's discussions. Uh, I think we really struggle with this. Uh, as because we're a product of our culture, we're in the very efficient culture that likes to have benchmarks and uh, number driven and data driven, and that's mm -hmm. good. But we, you know, when we read that verse for Paul's, like I fought the good fight, I think we would like to read it as him saying, "Yeah, I fought the fight because I baptized 392 people. I wrote 874 letters. I spent mm -hmm. you know X number of hours in prayer." And like, okay, here's the quantifiable measurements yes. that I need to do to meet this uh, expectation. Um, and so we really struggle, you know, at least I know I personally really struggle when it's just this abstract decree, you know, like um, repent, you know, uh, you know, in, in Micah, when, what does it require you to, to walk on with this? Yes. Do justice, all these things. Like, that sounds great. That's so abstract that... Like, God, give me something specific here so I know exactly what I should do. It's open-ended. It's like when somebody calls you or texts you and says, hey, are you free tomorrow night? You're like, well, you got to, I don't know, because if, if you're going to ask, can I help you move, then I might not be free. If, you know, or you, do you want to watch, you know, whatever, the, the football game, then maybe I am. So it's like one of those things where, like you want parameters around your obedience and your maturity in Christ. And that's not the way it works. Yeah. It's like the rich young ruler where he says, yeah. what do I need to do? And Jesus says, okay, have you done these? He says, okay, I've done those. And then Jesus gives him, another. it's like, we want to be able to check everything off our list to know we're good. good. And that's not necessarily mm -hmm. what revival is about. No, I think a heart. Yeah, I think a big key of revival, yeah, personal revival and you know, corporate group revival is that we learn that uh, we aren't deemed worthy by something that we can do. I think that's a huge transformation. Um, you know, it is this recognition that I am not worthy or I'm not righteous or I'm not holy by my sheer actions, um, but it is because of, you know, God and God and trusting God and God. But, Far too often we think, okay, I need to revive in my heart. I'm going to commit to praying you know, three hours a day. And that, you know, that's, so I think a big part of revival is this addition to recognizing that, uh, you know, I need to like step back even for a moment to let God really kind of continue to work.
Yeah. There's a balance between uh, because of our salvation in Christ, wanting to do more, mm-hmm. uh, and yet a balance between that and grace. We don't have to go through the grocery store or Walmart stopping everybody in the aisle saying, are, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? Um, but we should be at least thinking uh, and listening to God. And that's, and that's well, what... Let me ask you, though, that, Steve, just, just to address that point, because there may be people watching or listening who'd be like, well, wait a second, why not? Why do you, we should stop everybody in the grocery store, right? Wouldn't Jesus have done that as he walked through Walmart? Wouldn't he have interacted with everybody in some sort of spiritual way. So why would we say we don't have to do some of those things? Well, did Jesus do that? I, well, I don't think Walmart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I know. But I mean, even when he walked through with the crowds or he walked through towns, I think there were specific people and specific opportunities that he was listening to the spirit and, and, you know, kind of had a more direct line there than I do. But, uh, but I, so I think we need to be, listening and watchful and watching for opportunities so we don't miss them. Uh, that's, that's half of the balance, but I, I don't think there's this, Oh, guilt feeling. I I'm not doing enough. You know, I can't, we can't ever do enough. Uh, and so that's, that's the balance. Yeah. I don't know if I completely answer your question. Well, uh, no, it, it does. It, it makes me think of the Sermon on the Mount in the sense where, you know, Jesus was saying, go the second mile. If they sue you for your coat, offer them your cloak as well. And I think sometimes we, uh, there's personalities among us, personalities that are drawn to a relationship with God that would say, well, yeah, if you walk a second mile, why not a third or a fourth or a tenth or a marathon? You know, like why, why stop at the second mile? You know, Jesus' point was do more. Why not right. do 15 times as much. You know, if somebody asks for a dollar, why not give them $10,000? So it's just sort of this question of how do you figure that out? How do you, how do you navigate some of the wisdom when it comes to um, uh, those sorts of expectations that, that God has for us? Anyway, another conversation. It is. And when we're talking about revival, we need to think about doing more, Mm -hmm. but we don't need to think about being perfect and So, all right. So uh, last thing with this chapter, verse 30 through 32, kind of sums it up. Um, uh, The king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and Levites, all the people from the greatest to the least. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. Uh, The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul, he promised to obey all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll. And then it goes on to say, and he required all of the people of Israel to make to renew that same covenant, make that same mm-hmm. uh, covenant with them. So um, revival is a renewal. It is a recommitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all should be doing that. Uh, but when we do that, it is, it doesn't mean we're going to live perfect lives. It doesn't mean, you know, it, it is still a balance of listening to God, taking it in, taking opportunities. Uh, and, uh, and just, and, and, and I think if we're looking for that and taking the time, and like we talked about yesterday, having some margin in our life where we can hear God, yeah, then we'll, then we'll be pleasing to him and he'll be able to uh, work through us what he wants to work. Yeah.
Uh, that's good. It's a good conversation. Boy, there's so many uh, interesting things we could talk about in addition to that. But fortunately, we're out of uh, time for today. Um, again, if you are watching this and it would be easier to do dishes or mow the lawn or go for a run or a drive, this is also a podcast on um, most any podcast uh, site that you use. Just look up Woodbury Church of Christ. Um, tomorrow, we're going to talk about, I think, probably one of the most famous uh, stories of renewal, revival in the Old Testament, certainly, but maybe in the entire Bible. There's songs that have been written about David's um, repentance and revival in Psalm 51. So hopefully you can join us there as well. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.